Welcome to the Twelve Floors of Terror, Mr. Peterson. Enjoy your ride on our elevator. Well, thanks. I've heard this is the scariest ride in the park, so... Well, hold on for dear death. Eighth (laughs) floor. The Rowdy's and the Fury. They're dancing with Jade Edwards. And oh my god! They've turned to the zombie! Shut the door! Shut the door! Shut the door! Floor 9. Home to our five scar restaurants. Bill McGuire, you're a set for sore eyes. Hello, Bill. Good to see you. I wanted to remind you that Minnesota's 8,500 fans per game are leaving you for MLS. Eat those hot nuts. Ha 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 And perhaps it's time to go to floor 10. But who knows if you'll get out. Hey, wait. This is just a pile of Netsfield squares. Oh, no. It's covered to scorpions and they're eating the field. Get it away. Get it away. Just you wait for floor 11. This might take you to the birds. Oh, hey, Seagull owners of Fort Lauderdale Strikers. I'm glad you stabilized the... No! No, they're all dead! All of them are dead! I don't know if I can take any more of this. Well, good thing you've reached the 12th floor. It could be your last. I'm David Pumpkins! Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Toughcast. And welcome to Toughcast by two United fans. This is Colin. And this is Caleb. And Come Sail Away is the best song by Styx. It's episode 76. What do you think the worst Styx song is? Oh, absolutely, Mr. Roboto. Fuck that song forever. Absolutely. More like No Mo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. I don't know how to segue from that. So let's... I mean, <laughs> we we already have something that you can't really segue away from. Yeah. In case you haven't seen the sketch we referenced in our sketch, uh, just look up Haunted Elevator on SNL and on YouTube. And yeah, and, and you will see and, my and, Halloween costume. It's, <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Hopefully you will laugh like idiots like we did when we saw it. So. Yeah, it, it's it's something special. It's a lot more special than all of the things that have been going on in NASL today, unfortunately. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, which just so happens to be the day that everything fell apart. Yeah, Ottawa Tampa officially moved to USL today. USL announced that on their Twitter page um, with hashtag Ottawa's United and hashtag Tampa's United, even though they're not, they're still the Fury and the Rowdies. I don't really understand that. Yeah, but. Nick Rogers actually tweeted something to the effect of, gee, now everyone wants to be United. So. I mean, who doesn't? I know I do. So, um, the steam started to really pick up on Saturday when USL's CEO and COO were both guests of uh, Rowdy's owner, Bill Edwards, during the We're Leaving You Derby, um, the Tampa-Ottawa <laughs> game. Um, the program also alluded to some announcements in the coming days. So everyone knew something yeah, was up. And everyone pretty much knew what, what, the, what the announcement would be. It was just... It's like, we're all 99% sure this is going to happen. And today, right, oh, now we're 100% sure. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> some additional reporting came out from uh, Nipan Chopra from the ULF show. 
Um, he said that at least two other NASL teams are negotiating exits to go to USL. And every NASL team outside of the Cosmos and Miami FC have discussed with USL about exiting previously. So pretty much everything is in play on Twitter today. Bob Williams and uh, Steven Sandor are on record as saying Edmonton is also looking to stay at in NASL. Yeah, Edmonton will stay. Um, there was some chatter that they might be leaving, um, but that was squashed pretty quickly. Um Indy 11 put out a statement saying that they're fully committed to NASL 2017. Um, they look forward to both building towards their championship run as well as the 2017 season. So, hey, there there's at least four teams that are going to be in NASL that, next That's year. enough for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Just a season-long playoffs. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Just, I mean, that's kind it, of what it's they do. It's got tons of high drama. It's kind of what they do already in Europe. Exactly. It's basically a season-long playoffs, you put it that way, with 20 teams or 18 teams. But moving on with uh, New York Cosmos, one of the teams who's definitely going to be in NASL next year. Um, They're denying the the report that they're selling the Soccer Bowl hosting rights to any other team. They're going to keep it from themselves. Yeah, so that was an interesting interview. Um, Their COO, Eric Stover, who pretty much runs their entire business operations, um, said, quote, we'll have an announcement soon on the venue, but I know for certain it's not going to be sold. That rumor was out there. It's not true. Were there discussions above my pay grade? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but nothing serious was ever considered about selling the game. I don't know how rumors like that get out. Because the soccer Twitterverse is just jumps in every little thing. Well, Also, above your pay grade, who else is above the COO's pay grade? Exactly. Like... <laughs> How can you be above is, Eric Stover in the Cosmos organization? Was Pele like talking about stuff with people? Maybe, maybe, maybe. That's the only person I can think of. Maybe. Um, Steve Sandor followed up shortly after saying that the Cosmos will be able to host the final somewhere in the New York City area if they qualify. Um, all of this, I'm going to take with a grain of salt, simply because remember the last time that a high-ranking team official called somebody from 55-1 a liar in either a Twitter post or a interview or something like that? I don't. Um, you let me know. It, it just was, so happened to be... Was it also be, Wes? Um, no, it was, okay. uh, it was Jeff Reuter when oh, yeah. Fort Lauderdale was... Bouncing checks. <laughs> bouncing That's checks right. and not paying their health insurance. And it just so happened that that was actually a true thing yeah. that totally went on to bite them in the ass afterwards. Yeah, exactly. So, so I have my faith in the 55-1 reporters. Uh, Wes is on record as saying he's the original reporter of the possible sale of the soccer bowl. Uh, quote, Stover is flat out lying here, and the Cosmos are never, also never bothered to respond to my attempts to get comment, end quote. There's a lot of fire quotes this week. Just... <laughs> Just pretty so, fantastic. Yeah, so many so many salty lines. Um, also, if you want to listen to 55-1 reporters who got kind of told by NSL owners, they have their own podcast. It's pretty good. Um, we're st- I think we're still the best in St. Paul. I don't know where they record, but... I'm pretty sure they're recording in St. Paul. We're, so. the, we're the best in this area of St. Paul, I'm going to guess. Yeah, we're the best on this side of vandalia sure yeah let's go with that but sweet perfect but good podcast over there you can listen to both obviously 
yeah. about different stuff, different viewpoints. Um, yeah. Speaking of kind of fire quotes and hot takes to end all hot takes, Grant Wall, everyone's favorite person in Minnesota right now. Grant Wall. Predicts five wins for Minnesota United next year in MLS. Insiders guess worst MLS season ever. Worst MLS season ever. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. But guy, I didn't see you walk in. <laughs> yeah, I, I did nothing. <laughs> that, that's literally the extent of my comic book guy impression. So, um, here was the thrust of that mailbag piece. Um, he did hedge his bets by saying rosters haven't been built yet. Um, it seems a lot of the sources are reacting more to the movement that. Atlanta has been making signing Tata Martino, already having a designated player signing, already having their prerequisite aging former EPL player. Um, but he said, I can't tell you how many coaches, GMs, and agents there are who are saying Minnesota in its first year might be one of the worst teams in MLS history on the field. Let's unpack that for just a couple of seconds. So, um, First off, the worst MLS team in history had less than five wins. So, yeah, was that Philadelphia or was that Chivas? Uh, DC, actually. DC, yeah, oh, wow. twenty thirteen, I believe. Okay, so that was a bad season yeah. for them. Um, I'm not gonna say that I'm optimistic of the Loons beating that. Again, it's all kind of speculation right now. Until we actually come out and say we we've signed players, we don't know how we're going to stack up against MLS competition. You kind of guess who we're going to take from NASL. You can kind of guess who we might pick up outside of any outside of America right now. Um, but it's anyone's guess who we're going to get. Uh, I think it all comes down to who we signed as a coach and how much they have, how much say they have in transfers and their own coaching staff. So the reason I'm skeptical of it is not just the fact that you're seeing a lot of flash out of Atlanta, not just the, you know, they're able to do a lot, but things are still uncertain because they are still in the NASL season barely. Um, when you read the tea leaves of some of the things they've said, um, and Nick Rogers had a quote in an MLSsoccer.com interview where he said that they don't want to spend marketing dollars on player salaries. That's the sort of thing that you say when you're trying to lower your expectations by a lot. <laughs> um, when you realize that the shortlist for coaches potentially is Siggy Schmidt as the you know top guy, yeah, he, he would be a good hire. But when the other expansion team is hiring a guy that his CV includes recent stops in Barcelona and Argentina. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bit lower of a profile. Are, are those two places good at soccer? I don't really Apparently know. Apparently they are. <laughs> oh, I, wow. I, sources say. Um, the other side of it is this. I'm not as sold on the track record that this front office has built, particularly in the past year when it comes to some of these mid-level guys that – you kind of see them high or targeting as high priorities. Guys like Danny Cruz, that level this year, didn't necessarily pan out. Ben Spees didn't necessarily pan out. Jeb Brofsky played well when he wasn't injured. And then there's some sad news about that that we'll get to. Um, 
the list goes on and includes the disaster of a season for Lance Lang. All that being said, when you combine some lowering of expectations, less pizzazz, less infrastructure that's already in place, despite the fact that you already have a team, they don't have an academy system yet. Like, all of these things coming together makes me very, very pessimistic about the year ahead. I'm actually going to side with Grant Wall on this one, and I'm hoping that I get proven wrong, but as a Minnesotan, I know for a fact that I won't. <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, we have to continue to go on the roller coaster of being a Minnesota fan. Yeah, it's never a f- never ends on a high note, it seems like, with Minnesota teams. but They get so close, and they end and so we just drop far out. away. Let's, before we hit NSL games, let's talk about uh, everyone's favorite um, special one over in Europe. Uh, Jose Mourinho brought his Man United team back to Stamford Bridge. And how did they do, Colin? Uh, not so well. Uh, isn't it fantastic? Not so well. Um, uh. let, let's have a moment of silence for everyone thinking that Jose Mourinho was a good coach. Okay, that was a good yeah, moment of silence. sorry. He's good not. Work. Good work. I mean, how quickly was that goal co- scored? 30 seconds. Pedro scores in 30 seconds. A player that... Mourinho signed to Chelsea and summarily be- like sat th- on the bench bench for Chelsea. Anyway, uh, that was really the big game overseas. Mourinho gets absolutely slaughtered by his old four team. Four nil. Four nil. <laughs> I think I saw something that in his last forty games, Jose Mourinho has won seven. That's not good. No, I would go on record saying that I could probably do that. I could probably do that. With those teams? Yeah, I could probably do that. I could probably do that on, like, medium mode on Football Manager. That yeah. That's probably what you can actually say as well. Yeah. Just think of it. That doesn't count as real Football Manager no. experience? Okay, then never mind. No, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so let's let's move back back to the USSA. Um, get into some of these midweek games because they did provide a lot of clarification for the playoff race as well as a lot of uh, misplaced hope for Minnesota fans. Um, Both Tampa and Miami played on Wednesday night. Um, Both were playing in Florida. Uh, Tampa hosted Indy. Miami was on the road to Jacksonville. The exact same thing happened in each game and the exact same thing helped out um, the teams in front of them because they both lost three to two. Yeah, yeah uh, Joe Cole with a Golazo back from his that like is Joe Cole really that old? That made me think that when he scored that goal, he, but he apparently he really is. Yeah, he actually is he that is. old. Yeah, but um, but, but yeah, it wasn't it was, enough. Indy scored shortly after that to retake the lead, and that was the game-winning goal by Patterson. Yeah, eighty-fifth um, minute. Um, I, I had to go back in my mind how long it's been since there was a really late indie win because uh, they seem to do that just all throughout the spring season. Right. It had actually <clears throat> been about two months since they had done that, actually a little bit more. So um, maybe that portends things for the future. Then again, part of the reason they haven't had so many of those close nail-biter wins is that they've actually been able to like blow teams out. But um, moving back up to Jacksonville... Um, Charles Alondu scored in a fashion that would have made Jose Mourinho yell at Miami to wake up. It does his best Pedro impression scores. 30 seconds into the match, um, Miami gets two back, bef- one in the first half, one in the second half through Martinez and Farfan. But then Jacksonville scores two more to win the game. Uh, Steinberger fights off 
Bernstein spectacularly spectacularly to center the ball for their game time goal, and Stadlia kind of just poaches one in. Yeah, and um, Alison Keda was out for this match <clears throat> due to a red card suspension, so somebody needed to step up for just a ridiculous red card. And guess who it was? Who? Poku! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Quadra Poku um, slapped a Jacksonville player in the face and got a straight red five minutes after he had already gotten a yellow. I do appreciate the fact that it was a straight red rather than a second yellow. Um, that that just puts icing on the cake. It just adds more insult to injury, and he would miss their next game, which, spoiler alert, they also lost. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> get to that one because it, it was pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, moving on to... One last game before we take a little break. Um, Indy 11 ended up beating Puerto Rico um, at home in front of 8,916 fans with uh, basically three goals that were all within 10 minutes of halftime. And it's those three same three guys who had been tearing it up pretty much all this whole entire fall season. Justin Braun, Eamon Zayed, Dylan Maris. Yeah, and Zayed's goal came off of a penalty rebound. Um I, I kind of question how culpable uh, the goalkeeper was on that one. Oh, wait. No, I don't. It bounced off of his hands. He let it in, and then he proceeded to berate his so back line. Like, <laughs> no, it, it is not their fault that you dropped a ball, put it right at the feet of a onrushing, open Eamon Zayed who has a, like, 9 or 10-yard head start on all of the guys that could possibly stop him. <laughs> And he's not going to miss from there. Just no. Uh, Puerto Rico did have a, set, a man sent off. Uh, Oliver was sent off for a second yellow in the 37th minute, right after Justin Braun's goal. And then floodgates had already opened at that point, and two more went in before halftime. Yeah, it, it's kind of a surprise it didn't end up 5-0 or 6-0. Um, let's take a quick break here, uh, move on to some other games, including some games outside of the NASL that happened. What? In, I know. Other soccer happened in the <laughs> Twin Cities than just NASL. We have to get used to this really quickly. So uh, we're going to take a break here, and then we'll get back to you in just a little bit. And welcome back to TuffCast. This is Caleb. This is Colin. And our next game we're going to talk about was played at U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, U.S. Women's National Team played uh, Switzerland. You were there, Colin, weren't you? I was indeed, yeah. Um, 5-1 victory to the Lady Nats in front of 23,400 fans. It, it felt about as full as Nessie, which means that it felt like there was about 9,000 people there, but there was 23. <laughs> um, yeah, very. it was a strange atmosphere, um, particularly given the fact that they only really sold tickets in the uh, lower bowl. There were a couple of club sections that were taken up, but beyond that, um, my side of the lower bowl was pretty much full from what I could gather. Um, I was a couple of sections away from the American Outlaws. One thing about the atmosphere in there is that because it's such a huge building, sound really, it's like a vacuum mm -hmm. almost. So even being that close to the outlaws, you couldn't really make out what it was that they were saying, what it was that they were chanting. It, it was just kind of like a muffled roar. Um, I know at least certain pockets of the stands, you could actually pick out individual player voices, which when there's 23,000 people at a game, you probably shouldn't be able to. But um, 
that being said, as far as a game goes, uh, the U.S. did let off a really kind of shocking early goal. Um, they bossed it right afterwards. Absolutely amazing thunderstrike from Carly Lloyd. Uh, about, th- I think you could count because you could still see the football lines painted in. I think it was about 32 yards away. If I, That's what they said on Twitter. Right. Yeah, I was following this game on there, and consensus was around 30, so 32 sounds about right. Yeah. Um, after that, it, a really good goal from Kristen Prest as well. Uh, was able to chip the keeper from uh, just inside the corner of the 18. And it, it was remarkable to see a team just so in every way, shape, and form, outclass another team. You saw on the 1v1s just such a a massive amount of technical ability, just the strength that they had to muscle people out of the way, um, the fact that they were able to have a lot of vision for good just downfield runs. It, it, was, it was a sight. Seeing Carly Lloyd in person is a lot different than watching on TV because – you get you get that kind of feeling like she's something special that you don't see that often. It, it was probably the first time that I've really, really significantly felt that. I kind of I felt similar things when I saw Ibarra running down the flanks, but Lloyd was on a completely yeah. different level. Someone who is out there and knows she's going to dominate and knows she's going to score. Just it's a matter of when she's going to exactly to watch. It's, Cool to watch something like that yeah. happen. Yeah. One more um, awesome highlight. Uh, Kielia Ojai um, came in, I think, about the 67th, something like that minute. 43 seconds into her debut, she scores. I believe that's the second debut in a row. Not only that, it's the that's... second debut that broke a speed record for fastest first goal in U.S. women's national team history in so, two games. So just saying his next... U.S. game, there's going to be someone who's going to score in like 42 seconds or 41 seconds in their, into their debut. Yeah, like at some it's point... keep on getting like, oh, one second in, goal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be like a somebody mm. is going to come in and for some reason they'll have like stopped the clock. Like some very <laughs> yeah. strange happening is going to happen and they're going to stop it and then all of a sudden the ball is going to end up on the end line, just tap off of her and it'll be in like five milliseconds. Can't wait for that to happen. Before we get to NASL, we have one more stop, and that's that is that Castle Black. Uh, the Crows of Minneapolis City defeated Oakland County in the U.S. Open Cup 2017 and added extra time. Uh, Whitney Brown scored a brace for the Crows. Uh, Sean Sloan was the lone goal scorer for Oakland County. Uh, Sloan started the goal scoring up in the 17th minute. Uh, Whitney Brown scores in the 22nd and the 95th minute. Um, <clears throat> Oakland County goalkeeper Steinwasher, not Schweinsteiger, Steinwasher, is basically the American lower leads Buffon. He was fantastic in goal, and it could have easily been five to six goals for the Crows before extra time. Yeah, it, it took them a little while to warm up. I saw some of the, um, I kind of scanned through the YouTube of it. Um, yeah, it took them just a bit to warm up in the game, uh, but once they got the first goal, they just seemed to be destined for victory. Unfortunately, it's going to take until March for them to actually play their next game, the U.S. Open Cup. There were a couple of uh, games that needed to be postponed for, I believe, um, La Maquina and Santa Ana wins or something like that. Um, So as a result, um, the 
Cup organizers announced that uh, they'll be delaying the draw for the next round all the way into March. Fantastic. I'm sure they'll have some kind of exhibition games, tune-up games before that. So look out for those feisty crows running around the pitch up at Nessie or elsewhere on the cities and South High. It's, something a, like it's that. always a fun game to go to. Uh, finally, back to NASL. Uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, yep, Fort Lauderdale and OKC played. OKC won two to nothing. Yeah. So that happened. Yeah, that that was a thing that happened. Um, kind of unfortunate. OKC has been on a ridiculous run. Nine unbeaten. I think five of them on the bounce have been victories, if I remember right. Yeah. It was four or five victories in a row. So. Um, maybe not that surprising, especially going up against Fort Lauderdale at this point, but still it, it was just frustrating, frustrating to watch that happen. Um, it, they actually rested, um, Daniel Fernandez and put in Byers who actually had maybe one of the best saves of the weekend in the 60th minute. Um, long junior Sandoval shot destined up to the top corner and, just pawed away at the last possible breath. And that ended up really being the difference for them because they were able to maintain a lot of momentum and ended up making it to with, by the way, um, watch the highlights for this. It's really weird. It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's, some would say even spooky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to go with like surrealist kind of a, it, it's like a Dadaist sort of film because there's five seconds where Action is just paused at the beginning and 12 seconds at the end where it's paused after a like 15 second long shot of an embrace between Pekka and Michelle where they're just staring at each other and and then it just pauses and then it's like they have an intern like art history or some kind of video uh, director art director major i think Melier did something like this let me do it here in this one minute 48 second highlight package that only a handful of people will watch exactly um, moving on to the other depressing game of the weekend carolina versus minnesota united in front of eight thousand people in carolina a good crowd for them uh, and minnesota lost one nothing yeah which means we're in fifth place officially yeah so um what do we have to say about that i mean we looked really good up until Jeb Brofsky got injured. Yeah, and team announced today that he tore his ACL. It was an off-the-ball injury. Which is never good. No. But he is expected to make a full recovery. Um, he's obviously he's ob- obviously out for this weekend's game against the Cosmos, and if he did make the playoffs, he'd be out for that too. Right. Um, that's maybe just like the thing that makes this weekend sad instead of frustrating because Brodsky has been for me one of the toughest players that Minnesota has seen mm-hmm. um, they've been really fortunate to have his versatility he deputized very very well as a right back um, he's played a very solid center or center of the midfield I personally like it when a team has someone sitting more behind even the defensive midfield slot um, kind of like a forward sweeper in a way. Um, and Brofsky's really done that very well throughout the season. And you could tell how much he was missed when Matt Fondy scored. Uh, uh, Pitchlin 
doesn't is the one who replaced Brovsky after Brovsky was carried off injured and he's just not the same pitcher he was last year. He's not the same person. He's not the same player, and it showed in that goal for Carolina. He turned it back in time to play defense after the turnover, and it was really just a textbook goal, super easy for Matt Fine to slot that in off that Trevor Cross. Nothing, yeah. nothing that. Sammy could have done. Sammy had some great saves in this game. He did. Nothing could have done on that one. Yeah. Absolutely not. For me, at least, I think this might have been a game that actually cements Sammy as an MLS guy. I, f- I feel like the whole entire fan base goes back and forth on a game-by-game basis with Sammy. I, I understand After the Edmonton it. game, where, where even though we won 3-1, he played fine after the goal he gave up. I still saw people like that's ridiculous. He should not be an MLS player. He shouldn't be even on, on the roster, which is ridiculous. But there are people saying that. You look at the goalkeepers in NASL right now. In front of him, I would say you've got Matt Van Okel, who's just standing on his head this year, Jimmy Maurer, and probably John Bush. All three playoff goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for somebody on this team who is at or above the league expectation, that's going to be Sammy. Mm-hmm. You know, do I want him necessarily to be written in pen as your number one next year? No. God, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. But I do want him at least for depth. I do think that he can come into, you know, one game out of three, one game out of four, and be average to above average. And I think the ceiling that he has is a lot higher than you're going to see with a lot of the options that they're going to be looking at. Yeah, he's only 26. Goalkeepers t- typically hit their peak uh, 30, early 30s. So he's still going to get better. And he, he's already leaps and bounds ahead of where he was last year at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Mr. United did have a goal disallowed in the 81st minute offsides call after um Banks scored but was it really offsides yeah it was it was it, it grazed off of Stefano Pino that was the difference if it hadn't touched him and it, it was the slightest of touches I don't even think it misdirected the ball um if it hadn't touched him Banks would have been onside for the play how in the world did an AR in the NASL, get that correct. This is rigged. The season is rigged. Um, it's collusion. Donald. It's rigged. Donald, rigged. stop. It's rigged. Ron, you're the puppet. Sorry. I don't know what happened to me there. I'm I, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm. Let's just move on. Yeah. This game is really upsetting me. I Do I do I look like a nasty woman to you? <laughs> no, you're just a bad hombre. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. Um, it, There were two results that ended up kind of completely firming up the playoff picture. Um, Tampa versus Ottawa ended up a 1-1 draw. Um, Maxim Tiso, I want to give that goal as an own goal to Matt Pickens. It deserves an own goal. He deserves the own goal there. Uh, as much as credit as we give Pickens on this podcast, he's fallen off a little bit in the last couple of games. Yeah. There were some rumors that he might be retiring at the end of the season. I can kind of see that yeah. now. Um, ball, he hits it with most of his hands is the sad part. just trickles into the net off a TSO free kick. Yeah, it's like you want to blame it on the jelly, but that's actually blaming it on the jar, I'd say. Yeah. He 
lathered his gloves in jelly for that one. Right. Um, that said, the the goal that Ottawa got was off of a uh, my favorite kind of foul, a dog so. Dog so what? I I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> denial of goal scoring opportunity, which I just learned before this podcast started. You're welcome, Caleb. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Um, but yeah, so Darnell King got sent off there. Um, Tiso ended up scoring off that free kick. Uh, the Rowdies were surprisingly active in the attack. Um, they went down that man. They went down that goal. Um, but then Teen Wolf just on the doorstep he's, misses. He's really trying to get a uh, worst signing of the year. He's trying his hardest. And it's he's almost going to win it. Yeah. he's played more. We're going to talk about some bad signings in a second here. But, man, Teen Wolf is just – he's been brutal this year. And um, that said, at least Georgie Ristov was able to – um, level it up for the Rowdies, but not enough. They needed a win, and they were only able to get a draw. Um, speaking of teams that knocked themselves out of the playoffs with their results. Holy crap, Miami Holy... hit themselves in the face with a giant haymaker. Dear God, Miami, <laughs> what were you doing? Um, so that game was over within seven minutes. Um, Arietta was able to score off of a really, really solid cross from Arango. Um, Orozco followed up just five minutes later. Um, Wanarengo ended up getting player of the week from uh, another what? assist and a pretty solid free kick goal. Um, yes, come to, you come to expect that with Orango over these past few weeks. He's been just nailing those free kicks. It's going to be dangerous in the playoffs. If you didn't, if you didn't get that up, that's a follow-up outside of the box anywhere is going to be dangerous for the Cosmos. Exactly. Now... I wanted to talk a little bit about how bad things have been for Miami this year. Um, we worry that Miami has overspent and has kind of poisoned the well for a lot of these clubs that are a little bit questionable as to whether or not they're going to uh, really be that ambitious in a future NASL. However, their $1.95 million spending of ambition uh, let alone, we don't have complete salary figures, but the transfer fee figures that we know for Richie Ryan, Quadro Poku, Michael Lahoud, Hunter Freeman, um, what have they gotten out of that? Injuries, uh, medi- mediocre play, and a red card. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so Richie Ryan and Michael Lahoud have both basically missed two months in the stretch. Um Gabriel Farfan, he did come in on a free, um, but he's played in 15 matches with just one goal and no assist as an outside back. Um, when you're paying him presumably big money, that's not going to cut it. Um, Enzo Ranella has seemed a lot better than he actually has been. Um, he's only gotten nine starts, 13 appearances total, three goals. That's, that's it. Um, and Poku... The stats are there. He's gotten six goals. He's gotten two assists in 19 games. He's also gotten six yellows and one red. Like, <laughs> and and when you're when you're putting that much money into somebody well outperforming the rest of the league, and the best that they come come up with is less than half a goal and assist per 90, that's not going to cut it. And also six yellows and a red from a guy who's playing in the 10th spot. Yeah. It's 
You don't want your enforcer to be that far up the pitch. Exactly. You want them somewhere near the back line. And speaking of back line, you know, Hunter Freeman came in in questionable circumstances. Let's not avoid yeah. that. Um, the team <clears throat> has gone 2-2-4 two, two and four in his starts. Yeah, just bad business all around from Miami. Um, yeah. I'll say this. Um, we don't typically get insider info on this podcast. I do have a little bit of insider info where I can say that one of the big teams in the NASL is spending half as much on their entire team's salary this year as Miami spent on transfers in during the season. During the season. During the season. So Miami needs to figure something out in terms of how they're actually going to get some value out of these guys because as of right now, it's just it's not going to happen. And they really didn't have to wait until next year because they're out of the playoffs with that result. Exactly. It's exactly. interesting how they go throughout their transfer dealings next year. Uh, last game of the week, uh, moving up to Edmonton. Yep, our lone Sunday game this week. Um, Edmonton against Jacksonville. Uh, really the only thing that happened the entire game was a very late penalty kick that questionably should have not happened. Yeah, uh, Ben Fist brought down the box. Um, that much is cut and dry. Uh, the referee appeared to watch the replay on the video board before eventually awarded the penalty. Not He didn't talk to his ARs or the fourth official. He looked at the video replay board. Now, I will say this. You can tell he did motion to his headset to at least make it seem like he was trying to hear somebody but Edmonton's players pointed at the replay and said, look, look at this. <laughs> look at this. This needs to be a penalty. And he acquiesced. Um, Mark Frisch, because NASL owners cannot sit idly by when refereeing mistakes <laughs> happen, um, immediately went on Twitter afterwards to say, quote, ref strike again. Thank you very much. We now have replay in NASL. And... What a crock of crap in Edmonton. Is he talking about attendance numbers there or the refereeing? They actually had 2,705 <laughs> fans, which is... I, I will repeat my question. Is he talking about attendance <laughs> numbers or the refereeing? Let, let's at least give Edmonton a little bit of credit. That's, that's good right, for they them. They like doubled their numbers from last week. Basically, basically. <laughs> um, so let's get back to the playoff picture. So Rio's victory eliminated Carolina, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami if they didn't already do it to themselves. Um, that leaves Rio on 44 points with a plus-five goal differential against Minnesota United with 41 points and a plus-five. Um, on the final weekend, we've got Minnesota hosting the Cosmos <laughs> on the 29th and Rio hosting Indy 11 on the 30th. Both are going to be tough games. I mean, both teams, Indy and New York, has, haven't really let up on their gas going into the playoffs. Yeah, neither have. Neither have. Um, I, so, I don't have much hope left, but the only hope that I have is that our guys will get up and play for this. It's, it's the Cosmos. It's the last game at Nessie. They'll go out with a bang rather than a 4-0 beating like Miami did. <laughs> I 
but even in that scenario i'm like we we tie at most <laughs> yeah um i went through a, a couple of different things i like to do to figure out who's going to win um form wise minnesota obviously is on the worst form of any of these teams that are still in the hunt um they're one two and two in their last five against a four one and oh team in new york um okc is also four one and oh against indy who's three one and one um streak wise new york has been unbeaten in five three of those games were on the road oak city is unbeaten in nine they've won four straight um the little bit of a saving grace that you have is that the home and away record for each of these teams, Minnesota is clearly the best positioned with where they're playing. Um, Cosmos definitely have picked it up in recent games, but they're still five, three and seven on the year away, um, which is just about as good as Oklahoma city is at five, six and four at home. Um, and, Another little glimmer of hope. Remember that goal that Christian Ramirez had in like the 89th minute? Do I watch it every day before I go to bed? Do you watch it fully clothed? No, I take off my shirt when he does. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, come on. And I dance around and do a fist bump. And yeah, don't make this weird, Colin. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Um, so Minnesota does have a victory against the Cosmos is what I'm saying. Um, Ryo has lost 2-1 both home and away against Indy so far this year. So all that being said, I have zero faith that Minnesota is going to pull it off, but I'd like to see it happen. Yeah. Uh, a Minnesota United game is on Saturday. Oklahoma City game is on Sunday. So Because that makes perfect sense. Because well, if we do win, you want to hold out your hope for, you're going to have your hope for at least one more day. Yeah, until either Oklahoma City wins or draws. Wouldn't it be so Minnesotan to win this game and then have Oklahoma a nil nil draw? No, to get a one one draw with like a ninety fifth minute penalty kick. Oh. That would be under questionable circumstances. That would be as Minnesotan as a shanked chip shot of a field goal. As a Packer fan, I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, a playoff picture we actually know more about um, and that we know who's in the playoffs uh, in the next stop MLS playoffs. Next stop MLS. Uh, decision day uh, was this past Sunday. MLS does it right and have all their games played at the same time. NASL kind of maybe should do that next year. Yeah, yeah, they, they probably should. I mean, how many teams are going to be involved in this decision day next year for NASL? I'm assuming all, all eight, all nine, all 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 four, all question mark. <laughs> but uh, Portland and New England were officially eliminated on decision day. Uh, Portland lost to Vancouver. They end their season with zero wins on the road. Uh, New England actually won their game, but they didn't couldn't make up the twelve goal difference that they needed to make up Man, in order to make how, that final playoff. How spot. did they miss that? How did that? <laughs> I mean, not they were almost there. Them. They scored three, <laughs> but. Uh, FC Dallas is your su supporter shield winner after tying uh, LA Dallas Rapids, who were on their tail, also tied. Um, by the way, um, do you see the the pictures? And I think there was a video of um, FC Dallas going to Moro Diaz's house. 
afterwards. I didn't see the video, but I, oh, I've it's, heard it's about awesome. it. It's awesome. It's pretty great. Yeah, so what they did on the way back from the airport, um, they they took the shield with them on the bus and drove to Moro Diaz's house. Um, Diaz has basically been carrying them throughout the entire season, had a season-ending injury, and they poured a bunch of champagne all over his house. You don't have to clean it up now. I hope, yeah. some, I hope some of them, like the rotis, stayed back and cleaned it up for them. No. I, I, I hope so. The Stanley Steamer bill came out of their check. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some end-of-the-year uh, awards. Bradley Wright Phillips wins the Golden Boot with 24 goals. That's not an award, but it's not a question. 19 assists this year. That's that's pretty that's fantastic. Really fantastic. Really earns his way back into the U.S. men's national team picture. Uh, NYCFC, Red Bull. Dallas and Colorado all earned first round buys. The knockout round games start either probably tonight with, when you're listening to this, Wednesday night. Uh, Toronto hosts Philadelphia Union. Philadelphia really stumbled into the playoffs. They're going to get absolutely smacked. This is, this is a one game uh, and you're out in this knockout round. The rest of the playoffs are two legs, but Philadelphia Union really shouldn't have made the playoffs with their run of with, when their form as of late. Uh, also, LA, LA Doughty host Real Salt Lake. Uh, Thursday night, DC United, the original United in MLS, mm. hosts Montreal and Seattle hosts Sporting KC. So, just looking at those games, certainly, I see Toronto beating Philadelphia pretty much without question. Mm-hmm. Um, DC versus Montreal, there's been some discord with Didier Drogba lately, and I... I think they need to figure that out to really have any sort of chance in the playoffs. Can they win one game without him? Possibly. They're better without him. They have a better record without Dragba than they do with Dragba. Yeah, but as an Arsenal fan, I'm so used to Didier Dragba breaking every single heart in a stadium. <laughs> so um, I, I I just can't let it go. I I still think that even... Record aside, they probably still are a little bit better. So long as, you know, he might be able to come off as a super sub. And he he does thrive in big games. So maybe he'll yeah. score a big one in this game. If he even plays. There's rumors that he he has played his last game for Montreal. It's possible. He, I, I think I have seen since the kerfuffle, I think it was like about 10 days ago, that um, he has agreed to pay a fine for skipping a game and is willing to accept whatever role there is, but your mileage may vary. Um, as far as in the West, um, Galaxy versus Salt Lake. Galaxy. Galaxy. Galaxy has so much firepower, yeah. I think. Um, and then Sounders versus Sporting KC. Both teams have been so up and down this whole entire year. It's, it depends. Um which striker scores? If, is Dom Zard going to score or is, it, or is Jordan Morris going to score? Yeah. I th- this game would be so much different if there was a, uh American hero on the pitch. But, um, Get better soon, Clint. Yeah, seriously. Um, who do you have winning it all? Or uh, what's, your, what's your finals? My final is, well, first thing to point out, FC Dallas has a chance to do something pretty historic in these playoffs. They could be the first team to win the domestic treble in America, uh, US Open Cup, Supporter Shield, and the MLS Cup. But I, they're not going to win the MLS Cup. Uh, I have uh, New York Red Bull. I, 
against FC Dallas in the, in the finals. New York Red Bull wins. I think I, my bracket says two to one. I'm, I haven't done my bracket yet. <clears throat> I actually just looked at this for the first time um, just because I didn't have the seating down. Um, I am going to go with uh, Red Bulls as well against the Galaxy. Um, I don't feel that great about it. I really hope it. the Galaxy don't win. I, I really don't want them to win. I, yeah, I, I don't either, but I, I feel like that's just bound to happen. Um, if that does, I've got Rebels winning that 2-0. All right. You can fill out your MLS bracket on MLSsoccer.com. Uh, join uh, 551's pool and also do Nord football's pool. So you can just type those in to the join or the search box when you have to fill out your bracket. Yeah, trust us. You will absolutely destroy the two of us. <laughs> yeah. Join your uh, favorite pod minnesota-based podcast hosts or your second favorite minnesota-based podcast hosts whatever one we are we'll be heartbroken if we're the second favorites but we'll, we'll, we'll understand, understand i guess yeah <laughs> anyway so that about wraps it up for the week caleb where can they find you on twitter they can find me at k olson 716 they can find me colin at the attachment you can find the show at two united fans which tends to be um notches various tweets he should be back next yeah, week he, uh, pretty sure we'll be back next week we'll be recording again with him in the same room that's First, gonna be so weird it's gonna be so weird like it's either been skype or the two of us yeah where we're just able to do whatever the hell we want like that's david pumpkin sketch <laughs> seriously <laughs> anyway um you can find our show on any of your favorite podcast services itunes google play soundcloud Carrier Pigeon still will at least accept, uh, will maybe send you a flash drive. Um, but in any case, you can find us next week. So long, everyone. See ya. Je peux vous